Hey friends, before we get to today's episode, I want to talk to you about unicorns. You know I think we're all unicorns because we have special gifts and talents, and because we're all so special, it's important that we invest in things that will help us get to the next level. In fact, 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. standing in that loneliness, you really do start to figure out for survival purposes, like how it is that you can become your best teammate, right? And I think that that theme is what has controlled so much of my life. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And we are digging into the human stories behind success. And my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. Hello, hello. As many of you know, we are celebrating one year of the podcast. And as promised, I am dropping additional solo episodes for the next couple of weeks to celebrate. And for this episode to make sense, I suggest listening to the reflections from a year in podcasting episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, put this one on pause and come back after you've taken a listen. All right, to celebrate the year anniversary of the podcast, I launched a Kickstarter for year two. The link to the Kickstarter is in the show notes. It's also on social media. Every contribution counts. I sincerely appreciate everyone who's already donated to the cause. I see you, so thank you. And I am just so excited for year two. Today, I am going to share some personal details about my journey so far and how one setback set me up for success and really just all the joy, all the clarity and peace. As many of you know, I took sabbatical from my law firm in August of 2022 to pursue the podcast. At that time, I was in HubSpot's Creator Accelerator program. So I was balancing the firm job, the podcast, the wedding planning, and all of that was leading to burnout quickly. I was so excited about the opportunity, so I just really pushed myself. And in order to move forward to the next round of the accelerator, I needed to have a certain number of downloads. So my evaluation period for the accelerator was at the end of September. And the team was going to look at my downloads and their investment in my show over the course of four to five months. And I had done as much as I could to build the brand with the limited time that I had. The show was growing and we hit great numbers in September. I had two speaking events at Inbound. That's HubSpot's big conference for business professionals. And it went really well. And I felt like this is the work that I was called to do. I was on a high. I was so excited. But in the back of my mind, I knew we got a slow start. I was starting out with zero influence and zero brand, and I didn't have my own business and didn't know anything about podcast growth and marketing. Although I had marketing support, I am a big part of the brand. I had to be involved. I shared some of my struggles on the navigating periods of imbalance episode, and when we got to my evaluation, I was sad to hear 
that we missed the mark. I thought, wow, I worked so hard. I know I'm supposed to be doing this work. I need more time. I know my show is adding unique value. I could just see it inside of myself and I could see it outside of myself from tangible results, from growth, from feedback. And when I shared the news with my husband, I gave him a calm, rational response to the situation. I said, I did my best. I am really proud of the growth we've experienced in the short period of time. I know this is a business. They need to see our ROI. This is not a failure. It does not determine my worth. And no matter what, I am going to move forward with the podcast because I believe in it. And Shagun was shocked. <laughs> he said, wow, you're handling this so well. And I honestly was just trying to take my own advice. Ironically, the day I got the news, I was in the middle of writing the setback to comeback episode. I was trying to practice what I preach. The only thing I missed was honoring the feelings. I tried to come to this rational conclusion too quickly, so it was inauthentic, not a true reflection of how I felt. And one hour later, I did cry in Shagun's arms, and I called my dad and he gave me a good pep talk, and we decided that I had three days to honor my feelings. My dad said after that, put things in perspective, be proud of yourself, and just move forward. So that's what I did. And I tried to follow my own advice, the advice I shared in the setback to comeback episode. Normalize the setback. Setbacks happen. You only have setbacks if you're trying to accomplish a goal. Be proud of yourself for just even trying. And then next, take stock of all of your past accomplishments. So I looked back at everything I accomplished in the six months with the podcast, and I just reinvigorated my passion for storytelling. I connected more deeply with old friends. I made new, valuable connections with guests on the show. I started building a community of like-minded people who value the same things I value, who want to center our stories, who want to put people first. I published weekly episodes and received lots of positive feedback. I did three live speaking events with large audiences. I did guest swaps with Jenna Kutcher from the Gold Digger podcast and Emily Thompson from Being Boss, two women who are just, first of all, kind humans, but they're also wildly successful in this business. And I learned so much and had a lot of fun. So when you reflect, Say it aloud or even write it down and you start to see how much you've done and accomplished. And another part of taking my own advice is believing in myself. At that point, I really did. Missing the mark with downloads did not shake my confidence and belief in myself in any way. I just really believed I was onto something here. So the plan was to move forward with the podcast independently. My therapist actually made this observation. She said, as you describe the situation, you did not mention slowing down or stopping the podcast at all. You want to do this no matter what. And I said, yes, absolutely. I was committed to my mission, but I will admit I was nervous moving forward without a brand it's hard. It's so hard to grow a podcast. It's a highly saturated market. There's a low barrier for entry. And while editing an episode, I heard something that I really needed to hear. I was editing my good friend, Roz Goldenwood's episode. She is an ESPN commentator right now, but she opened up about a time when she was in between networks. No big brand behind her name. During the pandemic, I recreated myself like yeah. I was creative 
I was aggressive. Mm-hmm. I utilized my networks. Mm-hmm. You know, I started to create content. I've always been a broadcaster, not really a content creator. Right. I, you know, I built extra networks. By the time I came out the pandemic, I had built lanes I never existed in before. Mm. You know, and also during that time, like I was on my own. I was reaching out to people off the strength of like, hey, I'm Roz. This, hey, I'm not Roz with such network. Like, hey, I'm Roz. Mm-hmm. And like people rocked with me. And I think that comes back to like, who are you as a person? Who were you when things are good? Who were you when they weren't? Like, because people will rock with you and hold you down. And like, it was actually quite affirming that you're not just here because someone appointed you to that position. You're here because you belong and because you have talent and because, you know, who you are as a person. Wow. Her words were just so uplifting and inspiring. You know, talent, who you are as a person. I just thought, I'm going to do this. I'll figure it out. A few days later, the team at HubSpot reached out to me about another program. They said that they were in the process of creating a new program that they would like me to join. They were drafting the new contract and seeking approvals, and I liked the offer, and it gave me a much longer timeline to try to reach monetization. So I am now an emerging creator in the network with the opportunity to monetize after reaching a certain number of downloads. I'm no longer receiving payment, which is why I launched the Kickstarter for the year anniversary, but I am getting great opportunities and I really love the partnership. I'm working with a wonderful creator team that really understands my vision and I just feel very grateful for their support. And what I felt like was a setback was really a setup for so much peace and clarity in my life because I had more time to meet certain milestones. I was able to slow down and take a pause. I was still producing weekly content, but I didn't need to push a number of marketing initiatives at the same time and do everything else that is required to grow quickly. And when I paused, I took five steps towards peace and clarity, and I'd like to share them with you today. So number one, the first thing I did is that I cured my burnout. I realized that I was burned out and deep down, I already knew it. I could feel it but I had to keep going. I remember showing up to my bachelorette party in July, just exhausted. And I just love to dance and have fun. That is me. That is my personality. But during my bachelorette, I needed like two naps each day. (laughs) I was on my laptop, on the plane there, on the way back. And I was just exhausted. And my friends were thinking, where did Ashley go? Or even my wedding. I left the after party before my husband, which is shocking for anyone who knows us, because I was exhausted. I was pushing through the last couple of months with the highest of highs and lowest of lows, and so I finally took time to rest. It's the only cure. So if you're feeling burned out, just rest. Try to do less. Try to clear your plate. You may not be able to do it immediately depending on your circumstances, but if you're feeling burned out, I encourage you to think deeply about small things you can do to slow down. Just take a pause. And taking a break and re-entering the same lifestyle will not solve the problem. So you need to take that break and then take steps towards creating a lifestyle that is more sustainable. I think it is something that we talk about a lot, but we really, really need to do it. It's so important. A lot of us have just been burned out for a very long time and just navigating these last three years. And so putting a plan in place to really just get out of that space so you can move forward with more peace and more clarity and more happiness and more joy, 
I just highly recommend it. So the second thing that I did is that I did a lot of healing. Once I slowed down, I could really feel again. And then grief hit me like a ton of bricks. Most people don't know this, but my grandma, Eula, passed away the day before my wedding. So if you listen to the episode with her wonderful stories, she is the best, then you know we were very close. She helped raise me. We moved in with her when I was a toddler. And so all of the storytelling, the dancing, and my love for Guyana and Caribbean culture, that is all grandma. That's all grandma Eula. And... I actually felt a lot of peace with this loss because she did live until she was 95 years old, and that is a blessing, and we just had so many conversations, and she was ready. I think she had held on even longer after my mom passed because she knew I needed her, and she even got a little extra pep in her step, which is what she would say. She would always say that, (laughs) pep in her step. You know, just to make sure that I was okay, that my dad was okay, the family was okay. And she was a really big comfort when my mom passed. But the grief hit me and it was twofold. The weeks leading up to the wedding were tough because she was at the end. I phrase it in that way because it feels lighter, a euphemism. But I was carrying the heaviness since my grandmother had a stroke earlier in 2022 because I knew she wasn't going to recover. And other family members, everyone had different expectations, and I understood that, and I'm certainly a faith-led person, but I also know that everyone will leave this earth at some point, and I knew that she was at the end because I do know what dying looks like. I had experienced it a year and a half before with my mom, and during the periods of imbalance episode where I talk about the stress of just juggling everything, I didn't share everything going on with my grandmother because I wasn't ready to talk about it. But that was an extra layer of stress. So seeing her decline in the same home that I saw my mom decline in, you know, caregivers and medicine and visitors filled the house again, it was really deja vu for me and my dad and my entire family. And I literally had no time to process it. I, I just couldn't. And I was pushing through with random moments of tears and outbursts. And when I finally got to sit and pause, I could feel the pain, honor the pain, and move through it. And the grief was compounded by the fact that I had my first big life event without my mom. Planning the wedding without my mom was extremely difficult. I did not anticipate how hard it would be. And even when we did our family photos at the wedding, I noticed that I had lost half of my immediate family in the past two years. So if you listen to the episode with my husband, Shagun, that you know his parents are remarried with kids on both sides, so a really big family. But my immediate family has always been small. You know, it's been me, my mom, dad, and grandma my whole life. And even though I was so grateful to be part of a larger family through marriage because they are wonderful and I have this amazing dad and I have this supportive family with lots of aunts and uncles and cousins, I still felt a lot of pain and sadness leading up to the wedding. And it's been a more recent theme in my life, great joy coexisting with great pain. But this pause in my life helped me process those feelings, accept my circumstances, and try to figure out how to live my life without my mom and my grandmother physically here. It really, really helped me heal. And we're all carrying a lot of things. So if you feel like you need time to heal from something, Give yourself time. Give yourself grace. You're human. 
So friends, we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about another amazing podcast, and that's Latinx Empower, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez, which is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Latinx Empower is a podcast that features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their careers. I think you'll love a recent episode on toxic positivity in the workplace. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcast. So the third thing I did, number three, is I learned how to become my own best teammate. I took some time to rest, to pray, to heal, to read, to get quiet and really hear God. Everyone has a different spiritual practice, but that's what I needed to do. And I also listened to uplifting podcasts and allowed storytelling to really comfort me. I was forced in this moment to figure out how to be my own best teammate and to sit in that loneliness until I didn't feel as lonely anymore. And it's something that speaker and strategist Kristen Turner talked about during our conversation. In standing in that loneliness, you really do start to figure out for survival purposes, like how it is that you can become your best teammate, right? And I think that that theme is what has controlled so much of my life since I left law school and since I've kind of like moved into my own adult professional spaces. But how is it that you interrogate your own behavior? How is it that you curate your own software so that your operating system is, is one that's reflective of your values? And how is it that you know that you have thought through something to the point where you trust what your conclusion is on stuff? And I think that that, especially in the context of a legal education, was really helpful. And that's allowed me to step into my own voice and kind of stand in it in a way that is still definitely evolving, but it's in a way that I deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate. Wow. And I deeply appreciate Kristen's words of wisdom yet again. Although she was speaking of becoming your best teammate in a different context, I still found it applicable to my own situation. I did a lot of reflecting, figuring out how to trust myself, comfort myself, be by myself, And it even inspired part of a blog post that I shared on my birthday, 33 Lessons in 33 Years of Life. And one of the lessons was learning how to become your best teammate. And I wrote, while having community is important, the only person who is guaranteed to be in your life as long as you're here on earth is you. I know it sounds a bit depressing, but it's true. Learning how to love yourself, believe in yourself, advocate for yourself, be kind to yourself, and just be by yourself will help you navigate the things that life throws your way. And I truly believe this. Building this muscle has been extremely helpful as I navigate my journey. And that is what this pause allowed me to do. The next thing I learned, number four, is I learned to be a better partner to my husband. Another reason I had to learn how to become my own best teammate was because my husband was getting crushed at work. We got back from our honeymoon in August of 2022, which was an absolute dream. It was incredible, out of a movie. (laughs) And it was our first unplugged vacation since law school. I know that might sound crazy to so many people, but unfortunately, it's not so crazy for two big law lawyers. We had this beautiful vacation, and then he was just slammed the day we returned. And so he couldn't be present in the way that I wanted him to be, especially because I was going through this tough period of grief. 
And the last time I'd gone through a longer kind of tough period like this, he had more time. If you listened to the episode with Shagun, then you might remember that he took a break from legal practice to start a business. And that break coincided with my mom's passing, and so he was literally my rock. I didn't leave his side for six months, and that's not normal for me at all. I am a social butterfly. I like to be outside and see all my friends. He likes to chill at home. But I really relied on him during that grief period, and not having access to him in the way that I wanted to during this grief period was really, really tough on me. Now, I will say that he was there and we talked every day because he might listen to this episode and say, Ashley, (laughs) tell the truth. We spend time together every day and connect, which is true, but I wanted more time, more time to be comforted, more time to be distracted like a trip somewhere, date nights to help with the weight of everything. I'd look at IG and look at other couples in our lives that had more time for each other to just go out and do fun things together. Well, at least it looked that way from the outside looking in. And I started to get upset, you know, upset with our circumstances, complain more about how much he worked. And my family could tell that it was getting to me. And I started to have somewhat unreasonable expectations of him given his situation. I have to admit that Shagun has always worked more than me. I met him when he was in his first year on Law Review, which is a lot of work, and I was a 3L, so my third year, literally living my best life. (laughs) Those are two very different workloads, and I had gotten used to this dynamic, but it was really hard for me because of everything I was dealing with internally. I realized that I needed to do something. Our circumstances weren't going to change immediately. I had to remind myself that this is only a season of our lives, and I also had to accept my circumstances, accept the reality that I may not ever get all of the time I want with my husband. As someone who has also worked in big law as a junior and mid-level associate, it's tough. When you're slammed, you're slammed. You don't have much control over your schedule, and he's a trial lawyer, so that's even more work. I realized that I not only needed to become my own best teammate, I also needed to figure out how to be a better teammate to Shagun. And I think both are connected. You've got to figure out how to show up for yourself so you can show up for your partner. And Shagun didn't say I needed to work on this. Like, he's very chill, and thankfully he accepts me for who I am. And I also just think he was used to me complaining about this. (laughs) But I wanted to stop complaining. I wanted to gain more peace here because it was bothering me more than usual. And first I had to figure out why. Part of it was the grief I was experiencing. Part of it was because my prioritization of values had changed. Family was always important to me, but it became even more important after loss. And another part of it was the recognition of my own mortality. The recognition of our mortality. We don't know how much time we're going to have together on this earth, and I wanted more time. So I had to work through this. I can't always have what I want. That's life. And I realized that I had to reframe my attitude because I didn't like who I was becoming and figure out ways to appreciate and maximize the time we spend together. So during that time, we had to take advantage of the smaller points of connection, and we came up with a plan to block out more intentional time together when his workload slowed down. And this plan honestly made me feel better, and we did stick to it when things calmed down for him in the winter. But at that time, we were still in the fall, and 
We were still in the trenches. <laughs> he was in the trenches, and so was I. It was different trenches, but trenches nonetheless. And so I had to ask myself one of my favorite questions. It's a question that helps me gain a more positive, healthy mindset when I find myself spiraling. What can I control? I could not control my husband's work schedule, but I could control how I reacted to it. So thankfully, I was listening to one of the inspirational podcasts I love, and Brene Brown unsurprisingly saved the day. She had Julie and John Gottman from the Gottman Institute on her podcast, and John Gottman wrote this book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. So I started reading it. I thought, there's got to be something in there that's going to help me. Usually, I go to my mom for things like this, and she just tell me to be supportive which was another reminder that my mom was always there for me to help me gain perspective when Shagun was working a lot. And it was also a reminder that I knew what she would say. I could hear her voice. She'd say, figure out a way to be supportive because that man is probably under a lot of stress and he gives us no problems. <laughs> and she loved him, understandably. And that's essentially what the book said. But it had this great articulation of how to have a healthy marriage and it was just so helpful and I will drop a link to the book in the show notes because I think it's a great book for anyone before marriage, in marriage, after, just relationship building in general. I think it's extremely helpful. And I'll provide an example of how helpful it is. So before reading the book, Shagun had to miss an important family event, and I did not handle it well. Family events and celebrations are very important to me, but I realized I was just thinking about me. This entire time, I didn't really think about Shagun. I know he didn't want to miss the family event. Imagine how he's feeling. Having to disappoint me, the family, and being stressed with so much work. I know it sounds so simple, but reading this book and talking to my Aunt Allison, who has been married for a very long time, made me realize that I needed to try to see things from Shagun's perspective and figure out how he would want to be supported. Recently, he was unexpectedly taken away to a trial out of state with two days notice, and he was supposed to attend a wedding with me. He came into the room, and I could tell he had news he didn't want to tell me. His voice gets a little higher, and I could see it in his eyes, and I'm thinking, oh no, what is he about to say? And he tells me about the trial and that he probably can't make it to the wedding. And I calmly say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry you have to deal with this. I'm going to miss you, babe. Do you need anything from me? And the man is shocked. Y'all, he's completely shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. He's like, who is this calm woman? Where did my wife go? <laughs> and I even offered to do his laundry and help him pack. And he said, no, that's okay. But that he was just really sorry that he couldn't make it. I also noticed this. Anytime I offer to do something for him, he says no. He doesn't like to feel like a burden, but I did his laundry anyway, and he really appreciated it, and he really appreciated my response, and that was something else that I just, you know, was learned in the book, just really learning your partner, how important that is, and the conversation was so much more pleasant without my complaining, and I felt more peace. I felt better about myself and how I was able to support him. And that is a very stressful call to get. We needed to come to trial in two days. I would be freaking out. So I just tried to think about him in that moment and it worked. Magic. Voila. <laughs> I went to the wedding alone. I had the best time. 
I hung out with another woman whose husband couldn't make it because their childcare fell through, and we danced the night away. So this pause gave me time to reflect on how I was showing up in our relationship, read a book, talk to people about it, how to better show up, and it helped me learn how to show up for myself and for my husband, and I am just so grateful. And the last thing I did, number five, is I reconnected with my purpose. I mentioned on the year anniversary episode that I was focusing on the wrong things and didn't like the direction I was going internally. Because I had the pressure to grow quickly, I was so focused on the numbers, understandably, but I was just really stressed, comparing myself to other podcasts, filled with a lot of anxiety, not really enjoying the journey as much as I should have because I genuinely love this work. And I realized that the download numbers began to affect me like the billable hour. Although I had gotten to a place where my self-worth was no longer based on these external measures, I was still allowing the download number target to push me towards burnout, to push me towards anxiety, allowing it to run me instead of using my personal agency to work at a pace aligned with my values. The pause allowed me to reconnect with my purpose, my why, why am I doing this? Why am I working so hard to grow this brand and share weekly content? I realized I was doing this work because I wanted others to feel less alone on their journey. I wanted to engage in deep connection with other humans. I wanted to create inspiring content I wish I had. And I also wanted to shed light on a high achieving black woman's humanity. I hadn't really seen it. And I started to remember my why. And a few months later, serendipitously, actor and storyteller Christopher Rivas shared some wise words about remembering your why when navigating a setback. My buddy is like online dating right now. And he was like, yo, man, I don't understand ghosting. Like we were just, we're chatting one second. It's great. And then like nothing, (laughs) you know? And I was like, dude, I'm an artist. I get ghosted every day. Like, you know, one second you're having this like great meeting and all this stuff is going to happen and this, or, you know, you did three auditions and then you just don't hear from them. You know, setbacks is the ability to get said no to a bunch and just keep showing up. Mm Mm-hmm. To get more specific, right before the pandemic, I booked my first series regular on television. You know, like that's what you work your whole life for. That's what you slept in your car for. That's what you did all this stuff for. And then the pandemic comes and you get an email that says, uh, we'll email you on Wednesday, you know? And then they're like, we'll check in in two weeks. And then we'll check in in July. (laughs) And then they never make the show, you know? And so you go from almost having more money than you've ever had in your entire life combined to being on unemployment, you know, and I was devastated and that's okay too. I think allow yourself to be devastated, but if you tap into the why again, Mm -hmm. because the why is not the things, right? Like the why is not the cars that's unsustainable when you really get a setback that hurts. But if you allow yourself to be hurt and to feel the low, feel the hurt, feel the disappointment, but, but that why is still lighting a fire in you, that feeling, that love, that passion, that joy, it'll start to heal you again from the inside. You know, it'll start to show you who you are and tell you, you know, you don't have to walk away yet. Your why will heal you from the inside, show you who you are. That's it. 
That is it. I realized that I am someone who doesn't give up on my mission and my purpose. I started to focus on the value I was adding to the lives of listeners and put a plan in place to grow the brand. I got organized. I got clear on my vision. I started to create systems and processes that would help me stay connected to my purpose while growing the brand so that I could hit my targets, batch content, building out my marketing strategy. I felt inspired. I also thought about the content I wanted to share in the second year of the podcast, and I tried to touch on setbacks, pivots, and finding purpose. And then I realized that this framework mapped perfectly onto my own journey with the podcast. It was inspired by a setback. It ultimately led to a pivot with the sabbatical, and it helped me reconnect with my purpose. Wow. Talk about a full circle moment. And I'm sure there will be many more. This setback of missing the mark in the Accelerator program led to a beautiful period of growth for me. You can always find the silver lining in the pain point. And oftentimes, it works out better than you imagined. Y'all, I am so ready for this next chapter, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.